If everybody will go ahead and make your way to your seats, we will begin our morning together. If no one has said it to you yet, good morning. We are glad you are joining us this morning here at West Irwin. Pray this time together is encouraging and uplifting uh, and in some ways even eye-opening as we continue our, our study on, on the world around us, on culture, and how, that, how we engage through all of that. Uh, as Tucker has done such a great job of doing, I have brought my card up here Let's see. to remind you, please fill out the attendance card on the seat back in front of you. Uh, we'll have some boys come through to pick those up uh, about midway uh, through our worship services this morning. Uh, just a couple of, of brief, very brief announcements this morning. Uh, number one is that tonight is small groups, and so uh, there will not be any singing class or uh, class over in uh, the office building tonight. And so, again, nothing happening here. Small groups are at their regularly scheduled places. And then also, um, on the 25th, which is this week, uh, from 6 to 8 p.m., uh, is our, our widow's date night. And uh, after services this morning, uh, that people will be reaching out this week, uh, making phone calls. But then there will also be a sign-up sheet in the back of the foyer on the table next to the Bunko one, which seems to be filling up like hotcakes. And so uh, if, if you, you know of someone that maybe has not been contacted in the past or you would like to make sure that you are, please uh, sign up on that sheet and we will make sure that uh, one of our young men reaches out to you this week. Um, as miraculous as it sounds, that is all the announcements that we have this morning. So I just want to encourage you to stand with me and, uh, as we open our time together in worship and prayer. Heavenly Father God, Lord, we are grateful to be gathered together as a church family this morning. Grateful to call you our Father. Grateful to be loved in spite of the fact that we are so very often unlovable people. Grateful for this opportunity to be together, to worship you, to proclaim your place on your throne. God, it's so, we know it's so easy to do that in the confines of this building to speak about your holiness and your, your amazing impact you have on each of our individual lives because we're surrounded by people who are pursuing the same thing we are. So, Lord, my prayer for each of us this morning is that we would have the courage and the desire to proclaim those same things outside of this buildings, to share our faith with others, to share of the, the ways that you are working in our life, not just on a, a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, but in each and every aspect of our life. God, we love you, and we are grateful, so very grateful that you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. We will glorify the King of Sings. We will glorify the we will glorify the Lord of Lords, who is the great I am. For Jehovah reigns in majesty, we will bow before his throne. We will worship him in righteousness, we will worship him alone. He is Lord of heaven. He is Lord. 
On the back of the bulletin, you see a picture of Donnie Carthen and Paul Rorikis. And Donnie had been studying with Paul. And rejoicing news, Paul was baptized last Wednesday. So when you see Paul, welcome him to our family. On a personal note, I want to thank each of you for your prayers on behalf of our grandson, Eli Hodges. And Eli is five weeks post-off tomorrow, and his recovery is doing very smoothly. Watching the media and in the past recent days, uh, in the banking situation, it kind of creates a feeling of uncertainty and, and anxiety. I realize that we do need to plan and save as best as we can for the future, but I want to remind us all that we must plan for our spiritual future as well. I will read these scriptures before our prayer. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Lord, we come humbly before your throne, acknowledging you as the creator of all things. We especially see the work of your hand as the land is bursting forth with beautiful colors of spring and the signs of new life after this winter's cold weather. Father, we, we acknowledge that we are weak and sinful. We often fail to do the things we should do and do the very things we shouldn't do. The spiritual battle that rage within each of us is real. We are sorrowful for our failures and are so grateful for Christ's blood that continue covers us. For you have saved us and called us to the holy life. And because of anything we have done, but because of your own purpose and grace. Father, we are thankful for the material and spiritual blessings you provide us and the blessings that we are not aware of or could ever have imagined. We are especially thankful for West Irwin family. We ask you to be with us as we minister one another with encouraging words, good deeds, and with prayer. I want to thank you, Father, for answering prayers for Eli Hodges' successful surgery and his smooth recovery. Father, may we continue to always put our trust in you, even when our burdens seem to be too great for our shoulders to bear. We have many names on the prayer and care list, and we know that as an all-knowing God, you know the specific individual, spiritual, and physical needs of us all. We bring these names before you for healing. Gail Hope, Callie Huff, and Camille Mink, and all those on our prayer and care list. Please be with the medical teams as they provide care. 
Father, our thoughts are upon the family and loved ones of passing Jeanette Ingram. We pray for peace and comfort to be upon them. Father, we give praise to you for our new brother in Christ, Paul Rorikas. We ask you to provide Paul the spiritual strength to grow in love as he faces the challenges of day-to-day life. May we be an encouragement to him. Help us all to be the salt and light of the earth. Protect us against the evil desires that enter our lives, our home, and upon this land that we live in. We ask for a hedge of protection around each of us and our families from the violence, disease, and temptations of this world. For you are our refuge and fortress. We ask you to provide the parents the knowledge and wisdom to direct and guide their children in your ways. Father, we are thankful for each member here, our staff, teachers, deacons, and elders. And we are thankful for those in the military, our health care workers, our teachers, and all who are willing to help others. We pray that our government and world leaders restrain evil and uphold your word, provide civil order and justice. Father, we know that technology is powerful and it can be used for good as well as evil. All of us are touched by the media in our everyday lives. We ask that you bless us with discernment and self-control in regard to the media and how it affects our lives. Help us not to be enslaved to the media's power. And Father, recently the mistrust of our banking systems have been highlighted. Help us be aware and intentional that the greatest deposit we can make is to deposit our life with Christ. We ask you to bless Bill Allen today in presenting your word this morning in a way that we can recognize the culture influences of deception as we daily battle this spiritual war. Father, we are thankful that we are here in your presence, joined together in one body, one spirit, and one hope, with a hope that provides us assurance of the resurrected life. May our worship today be in spirit and truth as we glorify you in united voices, hearts, and minds. We ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought us life. Amen.
Good morning. When I was a young boy uh, during communion and the bread was passed around all the time, I would always look at the bread, kind of look at it like really wantingly, then look at my parents and say, Mom or Dad, can I have some? And they would always say, No, gotta wait till you're older, gotta wait. And I tried to look at them with puppy eyes, uh, looking as hungry as I could. I would say, <laughs> I would say, But I'm hungry, I, I want some. And, of course, they would say, no, it didn't work every time. Uh, but in Matthew 5, starting in verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in, in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As I grew older and uh, read this passage many times, I realized I was not uh, physically hungry. I just wanted a tiny little piece of bread. Instead, I was spiritually hungry, and I needed fulfillment that only Christ could bring. Deuteronomy 8 Um, verses 2 and 3. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. As we take this bread, which is the body of Christ, let us be filled with the fulfillment, not of this world, not of some, something that is temporary, but of Christ who is eternal and who is our Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you and praise you. You are king, you are Lord, you are conqueror, and you are our brother and friend. Please fill us and uh, make our hunger known to us. We are nothing without you, and we need you, Lord. Thank you for the love that you have shown to us and to your Son, and please uh, grant us that love for you and for our brothers and sisters. May we glorify you in everything we do. In your name we pray. Amen.
Romans 3, starting in verse 10, Paul writes, As it is written, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift, are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. In the way of peace, they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Kind of a depressing passage right here. Um, I don't use this as a guilt trip, um, but as a reminder um, that we, not only humankind and man, is sinful. Um, we as Christians, everyone in this room, is sinful as well. In Matthew 9, 10 through 13, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. As we take the cup, which is Christ's body, what let us recognize our own sinfulness, our own spiritual, spiritual poverty, and let him fill us and understand the love that he has for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, praise be to you. You are God and King and ruler of our lives. Let us treat you as such, and not just worship on Sunday mornings or on Wednesday evenings, but every single day, every waking moment. Let us be fully aware of our surroundings so we may love you and love others as you love us. Father, fill us with your spirit, and may we be instruments of your peace so that your kingdom may come on this earth. May we give glory to you and do your will with joy and reverence. In your name we pray, amen.
You know, when you see something in the bulletin for six months, you probably figure after that event is over, you're done having to hear about it. Uh, Not the case. Uh, You get one more dose today, but it's a little bit different. Um, When Bill approached the eldership, goodness, almost a year ago now, um, about bringing uh, acapella here for an evening at West Irwin, um, he had their, their full support and moved forward with it, and it took a little gymnastics for that to finally work out where we could get on their calendar. As, uh, it was a pretty short tour, and it was hard to work out, but just so happened a space opened up for us, and so we were able to, uh, to enjoy that night. And if you were here and uh, you, you did enjoy that, you saw uh, what a, an undertaking it was, and the purpose for the, this time this morning, these, these few moments, is not to talk about the concert itself, but about everything else that happened. Uh, our church is blessed with people who will give of their time, give of their resources, give of their effort. Uh, many people bought tickets and gave those away at their own expense to people that, that they knew and that they didn't know. But one thing we did not know is how many people it would take on our end to pull something like this off. Over 45 volunteers uh, from this church were a part of making this happen, starting with a a group of people you hear us thank on a continual basis because of how much time they give uh, behind the scenes that you never see, and that is um, the ladies who volunteered in our kitchen, uh, as well as even a couple of men for this one. Um, They prepared multiple meals for their entire road crew, not just for the singers, but for everyone who traveled with them. Uh, it was a very specific menu. We had some vegetarians, some pescatarians, some... Well, they're from Nashville. So <laughs> a simple sandwich wouldn't just suffice. And, uh, and if you know, I mean, if you've been a part of what our meals are like here at West Irwin, the, the, the ladies that put those on, a simple sandwich wouldn't suffice for them either. So it was an incredible sp- spread. They all shared that it was the most wonderful meals they had anywhere on their tour. Beyond that, if you saw our foyer, we had uh, their, their things that they, they had, their, their merchandise table. Uh, the, I was up here early that morning with a group of men from uh, our Iglesia de Cristo here in town, and for two hours we uh, unloaded uh, their, tra- their truck with all of their gear and equipment. Um, Cal had to meet uh, an electrician up here multiple times because they had to tie into our main power supply. And we had to uh, have that available for them. John Shaw was up here all day on Friday uh, running and working with their sound technician to make sure that we were uh, working together as well as our lighting situation. We had to have, if you, if you were here, you saw numbers at the end of each one of the pews. That was so that our six ushers could know how many people had to fit because this room was packed. Uh, it wasn't an option to not make a friend. Everybody had to make a friend. Because everybody had to sit by somebody because it was that full, which was incredibly encouraging. Uh, we had multiple people who were terrified that 30 minutes was not enough time to scan 850 tickets. Uh, because we had six people who were also volunteered to be ticket scanners for us. We had people who were greeters, green room attendants. Uh, we had a, our safety team was here in very full force, making sure that we were able to enjoy that. And unfortunately, many of them were not able to as a result of that. And they were... Uh, selfless in their time and being here for us long after that. And then some of you may not even be aware of this, but we actually had a medical emergency. 
uh, during the concert. We had a, a possible heart attack uh, in this room, and we had a, a group of people who responded to that. I say all of that to say that anytime you try to attempt something that you've never done before, you never know what it's going to be like. And we, many, many people just got to come and see the finished product. But for any of us that have ever been a part of something else, it's so much more. And we just wanted to highlight those people. We wanted to highlight the people who gave so much of their time. And a very special thank you also to Barbara Kasky, who helped Bill and I out tremendously with, with getting volunteers, with making sure people were where they needed to be, much kinder than probably he or I were, uh, but still direct, you know, still, still got the job done, and so we, we couldn't have done it without her. Uh, but it was uh, for, for everyone that, that got to enjoy that with us, we were, we were encouraged by the night. We were encouraged by all of your encouragement to us, and we thank you for that and um, are thankful for opportunities to to see, see Christ in a new way, in a new, through a new lens, and we were blessed by that opportunity. Peter. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, thank you for uh, just fun times that we get to have as a church. Um, thank you for uh, worshiping you with our mouths, with our hearts, with our prayers, and with our tongues. Uh, please... Uh, bless the funds that this church uses so that it may continue to glorify you. And in, even if we do not give money, let us give our lives, um, our various spirits to you. Let us be a living sacrifice to you in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. It's time for the blast program. If you're involved in that activity, you may be dismissed at this time. If you'd like to stand with me before Bill's lesson, we'll sing This World Is Not My Home.
Thanks, Rusty, for doing your Davy Carter imitation today. Davy is ill at home this week with a uh, bad sinus infection, and so uh, appreciate Rusty stepping in, and hopefully Davy will be over that very, very quickly. Uh, media is everywhere. Media is everywhere. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? And that is a trick question. <laughs> we want to immediately jump and say, oh, it's a bad thing. But really the answer is, it's neither good nor bad. And it's also both good and bad. For example, through the, the wonderful technological advance of media called Facebook, <clears throat> uh, I know that today is uh, Lee Mink's birthday. And of course, Camille, we we're concerned for her as she is recovering from surgery on Friday. And also it's Noreen Ingram's birthday. And so uh, that, that's a great thing. And I know a few birthdays that were yesterday and this week and coming up tomorrow and this week, coming week. So that's a, that's a really cool, uh, cool thing. And so happy birthday to all of the recent and upcoming birthdays. And then through the wonderful technological advances and media that we have, we were able to have that amazing a cappella concert a while back. Did you notice the picture of the group that was kind of here on stage and yet they were looking this way? Do you get how that was taken? Yes, there was someone in the baptistry. Yes, he, and he was taking the picture and the group was right here and the room was full and it's just a great, great shot. And so as Eric shared, thanks to everyone who made that happen. And again, one of the reasons that we can do that is because of all the technological advances that we have, including media. Media is everywhere. If culture could be described as a body, media would be its heartbeat. Sarah Barrett writes that comment, if culture could be described as a body, media would be its heartbeat. And I think there's a lot of truth in that statement. I have to confess, when I first uh, saw this topic in this series of lessons that we have uh, from Barrett's wonderful book, Stand Up, Stand Strong, I thought it was talking about the media, but it's talking about media. Now, you know the difference, right? We talked about that a little bit in our Bible class earlier. The media are really those who control media. I think that's probably a really good definition of that. The media, we might be thinking specifically of the news media, for example. And so I was all set to preach on that one, boy. <laughs> and I'll make a few comments, but that's really not... The topic, the topic is media overall. Um, I believe that the media have found their power. They have discovered how much authority they can wield by controlling what we see and how they frame it. There are some stories that we never hear about and some stories that we do and they're framed a certain way because of a certain agenda that the group that is the media that is trying to promote seeks to promote using what they report and how they frame it. And that's true on all sides. And so I think uh, what has happened as a result of that is we've learned not to trust completely the media. I mean, the days of Walter Cronkite being like your uh, grandfather that you see every evening at 5.30 are gone. 
they're just, they're, they're just gone. And I don't think that's completely unhealthy. I think it's good for us. Remember the Bereans, they were no, more noble than the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures and studied the scriptures every day to see if what Paul, the apostle, was saying was true. <laughs> so it's okay for you to check up on Bill. It's okay for you to check up on what you hear in the news, read uh, on your uh, favorite social media or internet site and all the others. I think one of the results of, of that abuse, of that uh, wonderful opportunity that people in the media have, is this great distrust among the people for what they're reading, what they're hearing, what they're seeing. According to a Gallup poll conducted this past September, only 34% of Americans have either a great deal or a fair amount of trust and confidence in the media. When people were asked, how much do you trust the media? Do you have confidence in the media? Only a total of 34% said they either had a great deal of trust or a fair amount of trust. 66% say they have not very much or none at all. When it comes to trust and confidence in the media... Notably, this is the first time that the percentage of Americans with no trust at all, 38% as you see there, is higher than the percentage with a great deal or a fair amount combined, 34%. So the bad news is the media has started to abuse their authority and their privilege and their responsibility by touting their own agenda. The good news is nobody believes them anymore. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good way of saying that or not, or if that's a good thing or not. But that seems to be where we are. Another poll published just last month goes even further. The survey released in February of this year by Gallup and the Knight Foundation um, says, goes beyond other polls and surveys that have shown a low level of trust in the media, as we just saw, to the startling point where many believe there is an intent to deceive. So it's not just that they have an agenda that they're trying to promote. There's a majority of people in this country that believe that they're actually purposefully and deliberately seeking to deceive, to promote that agenda. And that's a place where we haven't seen people go before. Um, when asked if they agree with the statement, national news organizations do not intend to mislead, do not intend to mislead, 50% said they disagreed with that statement. Only 25% agreed. Only 23% of respondents believed the journalists were acting in the public's best interest. And that's amazing. So no one's going to argue the fact that the media should be read or watched or heard with our eyes open with a healthy dose of suspicion and caution and check, checking them out. But let's focus today not on the media, but on media itself, which comes in more forms today than ever. Media is everywhere. Think for just a moment about the media and technology that you have used just this weekend. We talked about that in class and named several of them. And the smartphone, this little device right here, has made it easier than ever and almost impossible 
to escape. Any form of mass communication can be considered media. While the technology has changed dramatically in recent years, it can can include printed material, radio, television, movies, as well as today's social media and the internet. Media is everywhere. And the danger and the opportunities of that is this. Media is the conveyor and creator of culture. Not just the conveyor. It's not just reporting what the culture values, what the current cultural ideas and norms are. It's actually seeking to mold them. And that's where it gets a little bit scary. Here's just some statistics about how much media is used. Every day, 350 million photos are uploaded to Facebook every day. Every day, 300 billion emails are sent. Every day, 3.5 billion Google searches are processed. Several of those are during my sermons, by the way. But this is the one that really struck me. 500 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube. How often? Every minute. Seriously? Every minute? Media is everywhere. Yes, it's entertainment and that can be innocent enough. However, to say that we're not influenced by the media we watch or listen to or read... Um, or post, um, that is to be naive. Media can be used for noble purposes, as has been said today already. But it can also be used by Satan to chip away at the values of Jesus Christ and the importance we place on his word and his will. This paragraph in Barrett's book, I think, is right on point. Consider how media pushes the LGBTQ plus agenda. We talked about that in an earlier message. To make homosexual, homosexual activity a culturally accepted norm. Have you ever watched a show with a character who is gay or lesbian? Or seen a commercial or YouTube ad with a gay or lesbian couple? The Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, the acronym GLAD has intentionally used media to highlight homosexual behavior, and they've done an excellent job. As the famous strategy paper, The Overhauling of Straight America, said, the first order of business is desensitization of the American public concerning gays and gay rights. The visual media, film, and television are plainly the most powerful image makers in Western civilization. So far, gay Hollywood has provided our best covert weapon in the battle to desensitize the mainstream. While this paper was written in the 1980s, those things were said. They were right in saying their ideas were just the beginning of a major publicity blitz by gay America... To the point that children's shows are now taking up the agenda and using their platform to educate kids on transgenderism and homosexuality. The more we let our guard down in our media choices, the more we're desensitized. Our emotions are engaged and our opinions are shaped. In a phrase, it's cultural 
brainwashing. Cultural brainwashing is exactly right. They have discovered that they can, maybe they can't change things today. Maybe they can't change things this week, but they can move a little bit at a time. That frog in the kettle thing, you know? Drop a frog in a pot of boiling water and he's going to jump right out. But just change the temperature gradually, little by little. And that's what we have seen in our country. And unfortunately, that's what we have seen to some extent in us, in the church. We see it in the homosexual agenda along with those pushing for an acceptance of abortion, the transgender agenda, the sexualization of our children and more, cultural brainwashing. And yet in the midst of our world today, not that different from the decadence and selfishness of the first century that the New Testament was written in. We hear this call in Scripture to Christians to be transformed rather than conformed. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I always love the Phillips translation of that second verse. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. And that's what I fear is happening. That's what is happening. And again, I'm concerned about our country, I'm concerned about our world, I'm concerned about all of that, but I can tell you, my primary concern is us and the cultural brainwashing that we are getting that takes us away from this book in order to be more accepted in our culture because we are the recipients of an onslaught attack, little by little, Sometimes very overtly, most of the time very subtly. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Can we honestly say that? Or have we accepted the onslaught and the cultural brainwashing to such an extent that in spite of everything around us, we can feel quite at home? Quite at home. How do we not let the world squeeze us into its mold? How do we keep that from happening how can we be transformed by the renewing of our minds rather than conformed to the pattern of this world we're going to point out two main areas one is what we use media for the content and the second one is how often and how important is media to us today and so first of all consider your media choices Consider your media choices. This is the content. You know how to, uh, uh, how to be able to get a good gauge of your values? 
Uh, as far as money are concerned, well, check, look at your check register or look at your online check register. And so we get that. You know how to get a, <clears throat> how to get a good gauge on what you value based on where you spend your time? Take a look at your calendar. Take a look at the uh, time that you spend one way or another. And just as those are true, what would someone determine about your values if they were to look at a report of the music you listen to, the shows you watch on television or online, the video games you play, the internet and social media articles and accounts you follow, watch, listen to, and read? Do you really believe those things don't influence you? Scripture says, For what, right, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with the darkness? Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But what we're seeing in our culture today is that the disobedient are not doing those things in, in secret. They're doing them in public. They're doing them in mass public, mass media, as a matter of fact. Someone has likened it to an IV drip gradually pumping a foreign substance into your system. Once it gets into your system, your whole body will definitely be affected. It can't not affect us. Can it? So how do we discern whether our media choices are good or bad? Here are a few obvious questions to ask yourself. Number one, does it glorify and promote evil and sin? And his wonderful thoughts that he led us in around the table, Peter Neal brought us to Matthew chapter 6 and to Matthew chapter 5. And that call of Jesus in the Beatitudes to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Ask yourself what you're watching or reading or clicking on. Does it promote evil and sin? And sometimes this is more apparent than at other times. Sometimes it's subtle Sometimes not so much. For example, the TV show Yellowstone uses the F word. Do you want to guess how many times average per episode? Any guesses? 40 to 50 times per episode. Which is kind of interesting because the, the series, each individual show, is about 40 to 50 minutes long on average. So every minute you're hearing the F word. How can that not have an effect on us? How can we hear that constantly and not begin to be desensitized to where I'm not as sensitive to that anymore? That doesn't bother me as much anymore. And we say, oh, well, it's everywhere, Bill. And I get that. And you can't completely... Erase yourself from it without completely erasing yourself from society. And I get that too. And that's why this is so hard. But it's a decision we must make. Filter options such as vidangel.com are available. 
to help bring a, uh, some of those, to cut some of those off. <clears throat> Number two, what worldview does this communicate? Does this show or game promote the values Jesus calls us to have? And again, this one's more, more subtle. As you know, I enjoy watching an occasional Hallmark television show, although not as much anymore, because they have decided that they're going to promote the gay and lesbian agenda. And so you see it in a lot of their newer shows, so much so that some of them, some of their actors have gone uh, to Great American Family and started a different network of shows, which is kind of interesting. But again, you, you see it even in commercials. And there's that desire to socially uh, accept, be socially acceptable. And again, we can't get away from it, but how, because we're never going to find a show that we agree with 100% of the time. I get that. I get that. The question is, is this good for me, really, spiritually, or not? And a lot of it, again, is neither good nor bad. Joyce and I enjoy doing the games on our, on our phones, she does those mind-bender uh, games that help you increase brain activity. I play hearts. <clears throat> hearts is no fun unless you try to run hearts. Spades are no fun unless somebody's going mellow. That's just my thinking about it. I'm sure it's in the Bible somewhere. Well, what you do with it, again, is one thing. And, and it, it's wonderful to have. Provided it's not controlling our lives, and we'll get to that in a moment. Might be the right thing to stop watching, stop reading, and stop listening. If it's having that effect on us. Number three, how is it influencing me? Does it help me be more like Christ or less? Does it help my language be better and my attitude be better or worse? Does it cause me to accept things that do not glorify and honor God? Does it help me to be transformed by the renewing of my mind or conform to the pattern of this world? Ultimately, for most of us, I think we know if it's right or wrong. We just have rationalized it in our mind that it's okay. Consider your media choices, the content. And then secondly today, consider your media usage. This is how much you use it. And I was convicted of this on Friday. <laughs> Had an accidental sermon illustration. Friday morning I came to the building, got here about 8.20, and I discovered that I didn't have my cell phone with me. And then I had to think, okay, do I need it today? Well, yeah. Do I need it enough to go get it? Well, and so I'm having this battle in my mind, and I'm rationalizing it, and I'm saying, well, somebody's in surgery, and somebody else may get home from the hospital or not, and, and, uh, but I'm only going to be here till noon, and so, well, I went and got it. Couldn't take that four, three and a half hours, however long that was, without it. I probably could have, probably would have been just fine. I... I think we lasted a long time without them. Surely I could have lasted three or four hours. But I went home and got it and got back anyway. Consider your media usage. Media can be a great servant, but it's a horrible master. And that's true of most everything that is of this world. 
One of the biggest threats with video games, social media, smartphones, and other media is not just what you're seeing and hearing, but how important it becomes to your daily routine. They can become an obsession to the point of being an addiction. We can't turn it off. Moderation is thrown out the window and rationalized by saying it's just a hobby or enjoyable entertainment. You know, on your cell phone, you can go to that place of, called settings, and you can scroll down, and it will tell you how much usage you have had. I want you to know that mine just says nine minutes. Obviously, it rolled over this morning. <laughs> Check that every so often. See what it says to you. Has this hobby become an idol that now consumes you? Is it damaging your relationship with others or with God? Is it innocent fun or has it become a way to distract you from doing the things that are important? 1 Corinthians 6 says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And so during our shepherd's prayer, David asked us, ask the Father, don't let us be enslaved by the media's power. What a great prayer. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Scripture says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a, body, a blow to my body and make it my slave. So that after I have preached to myself, I, my, to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And so the question to ask yourself today is, who's the master and who's the servant? Who's in control and who's not? Maybe it's a time for a little short fast from that favorite media, that favorite game, that favorite social media. Media, like all other things of this world, can make a great servant, but it's a horrible master. Don't let it become your master. Don't give it control of your life. Don't let it determine your values. And so a few tips before we close. Number one, set boundaries. Set boundaries. I, Joyce and I were so proud of our kids. We wondered where in the world it came from. Certainly not from their parents, but as their kids got, their kids, our grandkids got older and they began to use some certain media, whether it's a cell phone or a tablet or whatever, they would time them. They would literally set the timer on their cell phone and it would go off when it was time to give it up. <laughs> Amazing. Wonderful. Set Boundaries. Maybe those boundaries need to be for yourself. Number two, have accountability. Hear this clearly. Your spouse or your uh, parents, if you have children at home, should have all passwords and full access to whatever device you have. They should be able to pick that up and log in and log on and see everything in your history. That's called accountability. That's not a sign that they don't trust you. That's a sign that acknowledges the power of Satan. Number three, invest in real relationships. You know, I think with social media, we can feel like they're not just our Facebook friends, they're our best friends. As if they come over to our house every Friday night. What about real relationships? Invest in real relationships. And then number four, plan non-screen activities. 
Go outside. Take a walk. Learn a new skill. Serve someone. Volunteer at Caring Kitchen on Monday night. Help distribute groceries on Wednesday evening or or food and clothing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings. Talk to Tucker about hosting a devotional for the kids at your house. Write out encouragement cards or other cards. Plan non-screen activities. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Even though media tries its hardest to do just that. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And glorify God in my life, in my song, in God's church, and yes, even in my use of media. This morning, if we can help you do that, come as we stand and sing this great prayer.
Most gracious and heavenly Father, as we get ready to depart your sanctuary, our haven away from the world, where we can come and celebrate you, sing praises to you, lift you up, and learn more about your word. We just ask that you go with us this week and confront that culture that comes in our face and tries to tell us that the Lord is non-existent anymore and there's no way, there's no such thing as heaven. Father, we know that your son came to this earth to die for each and every one of us. None of us that he knew knew on this earth at the time. And we're just so thankful for that avenue you've given us to pray through your son and the Holy Spirit in us that we can come to you and give us give give you our cares and worries in this world. We know it's not easy to walk the path, for it is narrow. And we just ask that you be with each and every one of us as we go out throughout this week. Give us patience to show others your graciousness. And we're just thankful for your son. We're thankful for this church, the leaders in this church, the leaders of this country, that they may turn back to God and use the Bible as their guidance. As we go through these troubling times that man itself has put us in, that we just ask that you keep us faithful to you and know that you have our path in mind. We're just thankful for all things in Christ's name. Amen.